Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S t-o-l-k-i-e-n and instagram at tipples and tolkien so cozy up pour yourself a drink and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look. And feel. Human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations. Action stations. Set Condition 1 throughout the podcast. Welcome again to Set Condition 1, a Night Shift Radio production. I'm your host, SC1 Actual, Caleb, and with me as far away from the microphone as they can get is my XO Kitsy. Hey, that's me! I'm all the way back here so I don't interrupt the intro. I go really further away, but my headphone cable is all the way stretched out, so this is as far as I can be. So I appreciate it. Uh, your dedication. I'm going to come back now because it's going to suck if I have to do the whole podcast like this. <laughs> yes, it will. And, of course, the president of the podcast and the 12 colonies, Andrea. I love being president of the podcast. That was much less disruptive, right? If Kitsy <laughs> records from 15 feet away as opposed to what they normally do at the start. <clears throat> I think we might, uh, we might need to uh, mandate that going forward. <laughs> We should just make Kitsy stand in the other room for the first 30 seconds of the podcast. I'm not sure why y'all even let you know when it's time to come. I'm not sure why y'all even let me be on this podcast, to be perfectly honest. I don't know how to turn my microphone on by myself, so. Uh, That's what it is. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, how's everybody doing today? Lovely. I'm good. Lovely. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Caleb, how are Uh, you? We never asked you uh, how how you are. How are you, Caleb? Oh, well, thank you for asking. I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I was, uh, as you know, because I was sharing them with you, I was uh, spending some time immediately before recording <laughs> finding various renditions of Africa by Toto on YouTube, uh, including ones where the uh, the order of the, the lyrics was changed or the the notes were changed or beats were removed. It's It's a very disconcerting experience. I feel like I could do a whole podcast episode about how much I love them. That that made my my whole night. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's how I'm doing. But uh, again, welcome everyone to Set Condition One. We hope that you're... uh, that you've been with us for the uh, the long haul so far. If so, welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'll say again, uh, you might do yourself a favor and start back at the beginning, but I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Uh, but if you do enjoy what you hear and you haven't yet, give us a subscribe. That way you get uh, notified each week when we, uh, when we come at you with a brand new episode, because that's how we do it every <laughs> week. Uh, and with that said, previously on Battlestar Galactica. 
So uh, this is an episode of surprises. First and foremost, we have uh, we learned that Baltar's Cylon detector is up and running. It's it's working. It's functional, and it's time to test the whole fleet. But now somehow, instead of being almost instantaneous in its results, it takes eleven hours. Eleven. Per, per, I mean, so it's literally over 60 years worth of just doing nothing but testing blood samples from the fleet, uh, as Six is so kind to point out to him uh, as he sits and ponders uh, the, the remainder of his days. Uh, but we also have, uh, we have the commander acting a little funny this, uh, this episode, and the timing couldn't be worse because we're hot off the heels of uh, our friend Leoben uh, kind of planting a seed in the president's mind that uh, Adama might be a Cylon. Uh, and so, of course, we have some suspicion there uh, and some tension among the, uh, the president and the commander. And we learn that the, uh, the commander's sketchy behavior is actually based around bringing back a surprise guest. So that said, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's uh, so, let's get into it. Nah, where do we want to where do we want to start? There's a, a few different plots going on in this episode because once again we do revisit our uh, our friends back on Caprica, Hilo and Sharon. Uh, we get a little more glimpse into to their perilous journey. Uh, we have a a great little aside with Billy and Dee. Let's start there. Actually, I, I <laughs> kind of want to start say. there yeah. because poor Billy has been just like flubbing it, just. Striking out left and right since the very beginning, uh, but somehow has managed to charm his way into a little uh, stargazing date. That's what I was wondering. What happened off screen? Because he has no... Game? God, I I hate to... Did you see me trying to come up with a better word than game? But I think that's it. He's got none. So I don't know what, what could have possibly happened unless... My new theory. Should I save my new? Th- I'll save my new theory for the end. So I have I something to say at the end. <laughs> I I feel like he's got just enough of a bumbling charm that she's finally like, fuck it. How Let's, many people uh, are my age left? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that's the thing. Slim pickings. Yeah, she doesn't exactly have a huge pool of people to choose from. Like, yeah. there's only like what sixty thousand people left, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's also not like uh, a, an integral crew member of the Galactica can just go wandering around the fleet uh, having dates and, like, trying to meet people. Mm-hmm. Like, you're kind of stuck with whoever's around you at that point. Can I ask uh, a question? No. Yes, you can. No. I guess uh, Kitsy says no. Well, we're tied. <laughs> I'm, I'm voting that I can ask the question because it's an important okay, one. Good. And it's what would they call Tinder on Battlestar Galactica? Tinder on. Is it just Tinder on? <laughs> Tinder on or Tinder off? Am I right? Is that anything? Oh, no, it's nothing. I nothing. Think, okay. I feel like it would be something like Prometheus related uh, because it would be the gods bringing fire, or maybe oh, like <gasps> Cupid. Oh. I feel like uh, the Galactic world would probably still have OK Cupid. <laughs> it's just OK Cupid. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> shitty. OK. That's probably true. Except your phone is an unnecessary octic gun. Uh, but then again, uh, we might also have a, uh, a startup from our friend Gaius that's just called Baltar, but there's no A, it's just B-A-L-T-R. <laughs> and it's just him when you swipe, it's just Baltar He's the every only time. one you can get, you can match with. <laughs> Baltar, that's very good. And it's just, as you're swiping, it's just different pictures of him in like different sexy poses. Yep. Uh-huh. 
Oh my god! Now I want to make a like a bogus dating app called Balto <laughs> and just have the results be nothing but pictures of James Callis. <laughs> please, please, you've got less than six months until my birthday. So if you could make that happen, that'd be great, Caleb. I feel like if the two of us can't make that app, at least in a halfway <laughs> shitty way, then we have failed at, at our careers. It's a good well, point. Then. I always knew I'd fail at something. (laughs) Here it is. Uh, But yeah, so apparently there's a a little spot uh, somewhere either on the Galactica or Colonial One. I got the impression that it was Galactica uh, where folks can uh, spend a little time sitting, staring out the window into the vast nothingness of space while the Viper pilots show off for them (laughs) uh, in a little uh, little flyby maneuvers. but I love that it's something where, like, there's a line of people waiting to do this. Like, it's, like, the one bit of, like, recreation or, like, entertainment that they have is, like, lining up to sit in this room for 20 minutes. Or well, they, they don't have TV. Like, they don't have Netflix. Like, they themselves can't watch Battlestar Galactica. So what are they going to do all day? Imagine oh. if quarantine right now, all you had were, like, the movies you rented from Blockbuster in March. And all you could do was watch those same movies over and over again. I feel like this is the equivalent, right? Like, what else? Well, but also you're on a submarine. Oh, and yeah. You can't, and you're on a submarine. And you can't leave. And, well, that's what quarantine is. Yeah. But, okay. It, it's exactly the same. Yeah. There's a, a little, like, developing headcanon going on right now for me uh, where... Uh, the only TV that they have available to watch is a fictionalized show about their world. Um, but in reality, it's actually the original 1978 Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that a lot. That's very good. <laughs> Just, they watch showings of that all the time and reruns in, in, in syndication. <laughs> Like, this just isn't realistic at all. I mean, look at those Cylons. <laughs> they don't even look like us. They, they look like fracking toasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, we have this uh, what appears to be kind of a, a sweet uh, little meet cute with uh, Billy and Dee. Uh, but Billy we also Dee. see that Billy, Billy Dee. Get it? Oh, man. Can you mention Billy Dee Williams in this show? I feel bad that, that I was be. also, yeah, thinking Billy D. Williams and didn't say it. I feel. <laughs> In my head canon, oh, uh, Billy D. Williams is uh, Dwala's dad. <laughs> yeah. It's, but, yeah. Yeah, I dig that. I'm for it. You mentioned him as the, uh, the like, play pretending to be, like, a gruff, disapproving father when he meets Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy would disintegrate. Yes, he would. Oh my god. He would not be able to handle that at all. One stern look. He'd be like, I'm sorry, I'll leave and never talk to you again. Just right off the airlock. Yes. Bye. <laughs> oh god. Uh but Billy is kind of like not so smoothly pressing Duala for uh information about the commander's behavior, uh, which we can I think reasonably infer he's been uh if not directly asked to by the president, he sees an opportunity to to uh, help her, to feed information to her. But I have a feeling just the, the way that Rosalind is acting this episode that she probably knows uh, about, well, she definitely knows about his uh, 
his thing with with D, uh, and knows that it would be an opportunity to get some some intel on the uh, the Galactica. It's a little shady. Well, I, especially I think that she asked him to also because I don't think Billy is cunning enough to come up with that plan on his own for one. <laughs> no. And for two, uh, it, you know, there's, there's the part where Dwala kind of realizes what she's doing. He's like, are you pumping me for information? He's like, what? No, I'm just asking you how your day was, <laughs> whatever. And then we like immediately cut to him, like going back to Rosin and he's like, she said this, she said that, she said this thing about Adama. Like, <laughs> Teacher's pet. Like he was very obviously yeah. put up to it. I think. And so we we learn from D that uh, he's the the commander has seemed uh, a little bit distracted lately. Seems maybe uh, not quite himself, and has been making secret phone calls that uh, you know she's not allowed to uh, put on the record or anything like that. And all of this adds up to not necessarily uh, malicious behavior, but definitely a little odd for someone who's uh, ordinarily such a, a stickler for the routine and. Uh, what not. Do you think he's calling sex hotlines? I mean, absolutely. I'm um, <laughs> t- pleading article. What is it? What's the article where I don't have to say anything? Article 23 of the yeah. Caprica Constitution. <laughs> um, fuck, I had something, but I lost it. You're welcome. <laughs> Too busy Some- thinking about... Uh, Something about swiping on Balter. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, where do we go? Where do we go next? <laughs> I, I completely derailed in my brain. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So a uh, a Cylon raider jumps into the uh, the midst of the fleet, and uh, so the the Vipers <laughs> scramble to. Uh, to take it out, and they manage to shoot up its weapon system, so it can't fire back at them, but they can't quite finish it off before it begins to jump away. But it, it's acting real strange because it jumps away and then immediately back as though it's it's lost or like can't find its way home. And so they they decide to uh, follow after it for a little while and try to gain some some data about what you know communications it's sending out, what uh, you know. Try to, to figure out what it, what it's doing here. I think uh, uh, I think Ty even says like get a raptor in the air and uh, which is funny because yep. they're in space and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do a few times say like get get the planes in the air or whatever and it's like you know you're in space right like yeah I mean even just saying like like when Adama said I need my planes to fly you keep my planes flying like they're not really planes and they're not actually flying but like. And it's not even I mean, like they've ever even it. been. Yeah. Anyway. Huh. Uh, <laughs> well, we do know that they can fly in atmosphere because they do that sometimes. Uh, that is true. Anyway, uh, Ty says, you know, get a raptor in the air and I want to know every, you know, electromagnetic signal that thing sends and like, you know, basically wants to scan scan it and see what it's doing. I was wondering if that was real science. I didn't. It didn't sound like real science to me. It's, can you just? It's, it's, it's science-ish. <laughs> it's science adjacent. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's not like super accurate science, but it's like it the gist of it's right. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh around the same time the the commanders know where to be found and uh when Ty asks uh, uh, you know where is the old man? Aunt Duell tells him that he he took a uh, a raptor uh and didn't file a flight uh flight plan about an hour ago. 
And that's additional odd behavior for the commander just to disappear and to not file a flight plan and not to not to tell anyone he's going. I also I love that exchange between the two because because uh, he's like, "Where's the commander?" and she's like, "Not on board." He's like, "Not on board." <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> like, and then it's like, "Where like uh, well, where did he go?" I don't know. He took a raft and filed a flight plan. No flight plan. Like it's just like. <laughs> Ty is just perpetually incredulous. Yes. Like, he just can't believe anything anyone is telling him ever. Uh, so the um, commander does come back, but he comes back with, uh, with a surprise. Before we talk about the surprise. Before we talk about Can the surprise. Can I nitpick about something? Please do. Because I know that's your favorite it's part of the podcast, Caleb. nitpicking corner. <laughs> so... Kit's pick. No, that's not it. Nick, Kit. Anyway. Just keep, keep working on that one. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so every time we see someone fly a Viper or a Raptor, they have to get in a flight suit and they have to put on a helmet and they have to, like, yes. that's what they have to do. Apparently, Commander Adama can just go in his regular <laughs> fucking uniform, no flight suit, no helmet, and just fly the Raptor. And that's totally fine. That's just completely chill. Yeah. Well, in the Raptors, the uh, the flight crew doesn't necessarily uh, keep the helmet on. I think the the Raptors have more of a pressurized cabin. But they still uh, wear the flight suit, though. They do tend to wear the flight suit. Yes. I wonder how much of that is just the routine of it. Like that's just you know by the book versus how much is like actually essential. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know the purpose of a flight suit. Well, I imagine you wear it when you fly. It's to keep. Your body covered, so you're not naked in the thing. Yeah. Yeah, Caleb, you don't want to fly a raptor naked, do you? I mean, I guess if that's the only alternative, no, I don't. (laughs) Or maybe he just got, well, no, because, well, see, I was going to say maybe he just changed back so that he looked official and whatever, but what's her face? Oh, we didn't say who yet, but. Well, you see him through the window as he's, like, parking the raptor. He's still wearing his his regular (laughs) uniform. And also remember that you know the civilians that they brought from Caprica, the like the twelve-year-old kid and the ninety-year-old woman, like not, none of them were wearing like flight suit or helmet or anything like that. That's true. That's so. I mean, it's, I, I'm not saying that like it must be safe. Well, yeah, I'm not saying like you'll die if you don't wear the flight suit, but like I just think it's weird that he wouldn't have to wear a flight suit when everyone else does. That's that's what I'm saying. One of the good things about being the commander is that you don't have to explain yourself to anybody <laughs> i was just trying to think of like it hasn't already happened yet i don't think or maybe it has i i know at some point there's a scene where we where you see adama in a flight suit Ooh. Uh, it hasn't happened yet it hasn't happened yet it, so so he's not allergic i think that there's a reason why <laughs> he doesn't wear them <laughs> gotcha he just doesn't like the uh, way yeah, that they look. They it's just, itchy. He doesn't, they're, not, they're not flattering yeah. for him. <laughs> Blue's more his color. That's true. Brings out his eyes. Anyway, nitpick over. We can continue. <laughs> I mean, did I just... I'm going to fanboy about EJO again. He looks badass in the uniform. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, he, really, he like, absolutely does. Of like anyone in the entire crew, he looks the most badass in uniform. I feel like they probably designed probably the uniform right. to look awesome on him and then just made everyone else wear it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, if if someone other than you told me that, I would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. 
rude. And I'll leave you to decide if that means that I need independent verification or I think that you would bullshit me. It's probably <laughs> both. It's or both. both. <laughs> it's both. Uh, but yeah, so the, the door of the raptor opens and we see the commander get out and we see uh, just a, a pair of legs in a dress. Uh, Can we talk about how much it? they're trying to make it look like he's got six in that raptor with him in that moment? <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about that. Like, But yeah, I could see because that. Because it's, it's the red dress and that's like her thing mm-hmm. and the legs. Like I, I think they were trying to play it up like, look, it's going to be six and it's not. It's worse. Which would be yeah. really interesting because they already know now about uh, a Cylon model that looks like that yeah. for, through Shelley Godfrey. Or they have suspicion. Yeah. I guess they never really confirmed that she was a Cylon. But uh, it would be really interesting, especially now with the, the question about uh, Adama's identity being uh, on the line. Uh, it would be really interesting if he did come back with a six. Yeah. Is, <laughs> But what what he comes back with is even worse than that. Um, But I actually want to pause a moment more before we get to that reveal uh, and talk about a a really interesting moment. You're taking my game, Koi. A really interesting little uh, aside between the uh, the president and the commander where they're discussing the the Cylon detector. Oh, yes. And like how they should go about testing uh and there's this just like wonderful little back and forth of like who do you think should go first well it definitely should be like people in like important uh you know important positions to make sure that you know the the fleet knows that they can trust us i i absolutely agree so i think maybe you should probably go first <laughs> but why don't you go first <laughs> just this back and forth of you know which one's gonna budge and uh, of course the uh you, know, you you see a little tension developing between them, and it's like neither one wants to give ground, mm-hmm. and uh, both are a little suspicious of the other. Um, and I love that there is still some some mistrust between the uh, the president and the commander uh, at this point. You know, you see that they're they're growing as allies, but they're they're not one hundred percent sure of each other mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. And so finally, uh, Adama does agree. To uh, to go first. I love then, that uh, what pushes him to agree is just a like stern look from Rosalind. Yep. She's just like, Mm-mm, nope. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> she says, if you're a Cylon, I'd like to know. And he says, if I'm a Cylon, you're really screwed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I do think that you should go first. Show everyone in the fleet they can trust the people at the top. Then maybe you should go first. <laughs> she said, uh, and then he just like pauses, like, "All right, I'll go first. And she's like, "I think that's good. I do." <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> and so uh, we know that uh, Commander Dama is uh, Baltar's first priority in his Cylon testing for now. And. Until uh, the the command, or they sorry, the president checks in with him to see how that's going, and he says, "Oh well, you know, Adama canceled his test. Uh, he gave me someone else to check and said it was you know, top priority. So I've started that." And you know, Rosalind's like, "Who who could he possibly have uh, told you to check instead?" And he's like, "I don't know, someone named Ellen." <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Who is this hmm. Ellen? And so. 
we have the big reveal at the Raptor. We're joining uh, Adama on the Galactica. Is Ellen Ty, the Colonel's uh, misplaced and presumed dead wife? Mm-hmm. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> She sucks so much. I hate her so much. I think I hate her more than I hate Sergeant Hadrian. I was, I was wondering for myself if she, I, it is another example. And I talked about it last week of them using some sort of stereotype of, you know, cause now she's the, like, I can't even, she's just like the promiscuous, kind of like temptress who's there to cause trouble um and she does a good job and i do hate her very much um but the show again maybe i'm eh, maybe i'm making excuses for the show but it does feel like it knows what it's doing there i also if we could step back just a second to um what y'all were saying about six um or about ellen looking a lot like six coming off of the the ship. And I'm wondering how much of that was them not necessarily trying to trick us into thinking that she was six, but associate her with another Cylon that we recognize to kind of plant so, that seed for us. I actually kind of like that, the theory, because my initial thoughts in seeing Ellen's behavior here is like, they're very obviously trying to sow some suspicion that she might be a Cylon, mm-hmm. hence uh, Adama ordering her test over his and like him, you know, kind of drilling a little bit about like, you know, how did, you know, how come nobody remembers you know you coming on to the the ship where that, that she was on and to and everybody she, on the ship, right? Because yeah, she's always and, coming on uh, to people. Because she's, uh, 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 um, I'm sorry, and <laughs> uh, and you know, she was conveniently uh, unconscious for the last couple of weeks uh, during all, all of the uh, the adventures of the the. <laughs> first eight episodes or so, however many we've been through now. Uh, and, you know, all of this seems like a very convenient story. And so, like, they've, they've painted this suspicion. And then she also has this, like, boisterous kind of, like, almost, like, party girl attitude. And, you know, she, she drinks heavy. She is, like, a just a voracious flirt. And it feels a little bit like they're painting... And even like more, almost like caricaturized version of what we've seen in six so far. Uh, she, you know, she's not this like wild, outgoing uh, personality, but she is the the very like sensual, the very uh, like aggressively sexual character. And Ellen has a little bit of that, and so I think that they are intentionally trying to to throw some curveballs here to make us think, well, like we've seen behavior kind of like this in asylum before and you know she has similar physical appearance of being tall and blonde and you know she's wearing the the red dress like kitsy pointed out and i feel like there definitely is meant to be some some similarities there yeah well and they play the cylon drums when she and um tire reconnecting in the in his uh room whatever the ship word is for room is it room Quarters. 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 There we go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. And I've, I've found myself intentionally listening for what you call the Cylon drums now. Uh, and I, I totally miss it there. So I'll have to how do, uh, go back how and, the, and watch again. How do the Cylon drums go, Andrea? They sound like drums. No, I'm not. That's, <laughs> I'm not falling for that one. I've listened to too much of you two. <laughs> We're on to your games. Mm-hmm. 
We we know. I got to get better. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's clear right away that even though this is a a, a welcome homecoming for uh, Saltai, that like these two had the definition of a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. They kind of bring out the worst in each other. Uh, we see how you know Ty had been making steps to uh, curb his alcohol, alcoholism, to curb his drinking, and even. Uh, Adama says again at one point, like, I just started to get used to seeing you without the cup in your hand. And, you know, uh, Ty just, he, he gets defensive about it, understandably so. But he's just like, you know, we're celebrating, you know, she's back, she's my wife. And like, why shouldn't I be happy about it? But like, right away, they're definitely strained. And so there's, there's some, it's, there's some ghosts of the past there for it's them. It's like, it's like when your friend starts dating someone who really fucking sucks <laughs> and just yes. and just doesn't see it and you're just like, come on. Like, stop doing that. This person sucks so much. And it's <laughs> that's what I felt like this whole episode watching Ty. It's like, come on. I it's just like it's that, but then it's that that friend's partner dies, so you think, so you think everybody's free, and then they suddenly <laughs> show up again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't want to root for someone to be dead, but at the same time, if that's the only way they'll stay, stay yeah, gone. Yeah, she is. She sucks. Like, and you, <laughs> you want Saul to be happy, yeah. and like for a moment, it seems like he's going to be, but then, uh, then it feels like they they kind of they you know, they talk about you know having a fresh start, uh, but they do that over a toast to some bright green alcohol, which they refer to as ambrosia, uh, which again feels a little on the nose for the uh, the Greek <laughs> mythology thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just it makes me think of the uh, the Percy Jackson series where they're like, all we eat is nectar and ambrosia. I'm like, come on, <laughs> come you're all, on, you're all hummingbirds. I thought she was trying to poison him at that moment. I thought there was something in the drink because she's so uh, insistent that they get drunk together. But then as the events unfold, I mean, she just really wanted to drink. I mean, yeah. There's that moment at the end of dinner when she goes running back to the table and Rosalind doesn't even turn to look at her. She just sticks her arm out with the bottle. She knows she wants it. Oh, that dinner. I let's talk about that dinner. But first we have multiple Dreda's contacts. So uh, we're going to jump to a safer location. We will embed the jump coordinates into the ad break. So make sure you listen to that to find those coordinates and we'll see you on the other side. So uh, stay safe out there and uh, we're going to jump. You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition One as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. 
Report. You know that thing we do every week I'm still trying to come up with How to get back into it And I feel like after the jump The the commander says report And someone tells him that all the ships are there So I was hoping if I just said report One of you would be like yes All the listeners made it Through the jump I'm famously quick on my feet So we are absolutely keeping that. <laughs> oh, of course yeah. we are. <laughs> <laughs> all listeners accounted for, although maybe not after this. I don't know. <laughs> There's just, I can't come up with a good way to transition back into the episode. Just keep throwing them out like that without warning anybody and we'll eventually that's land the, on that's something. That's how everything else has fallen into place. So <laughs> That's kind of true. <laughs> 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 so uh how does this report uh, how does this keep getting weirder <laughs> caleb report like report i i think i reported oh did you yeah. okay sorry caleb also, reported. i don't answer to you <laughs> oh yes you do remember when she says that you do when you do in when the, ellen says you you do in the in the it, when it comes to the ad break that's Fair the enough. only thing i have jurisdiction over <laughs> I want to talk about when Rosalind says that to Ellen because it's so good at the dinner party. Ooh, well, let's talk about the dinner party. They have a dinner party. Oh, it's we should definitely. That. And it's there is a dinner there's party. a dinner party, and all of the important fancy people are there. We've got <laughs> Commander Adama. We've got the president of the twelve colonies, Laura Roslin. We've got Colonel Saul Ty. Uh, we've got Ellen Ty, his wife, and we've got Lee Adama, who didn't bring a date. <laughs> Who was he going to bring? Starbuck. Oh, right. She was. Oh, man. Can you mentioned Starbuck at this dinner party. Oh, my party? God. Because <laughs> it, like, it was awkward as fuck, uh, mostly because Ty and Ty were drunk out of their fucking minds God. and nobody else was. And Starbuck would have uh, been, though. That's the thing. She would have gotten. Starbuck would have She would have gotten plastered with Ellen Ty and they would have had a grand time. Oh, my God. I wonder if, like, They've done that in the past, and that's part of why uh, Ty hates her so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starbuck and Ellen get drunk as shit and just rib on him. Oh, oh my god, that could rib. that would definitely exactly happen, just like that. That's, they would just be relentlessly also just canon. picking at him, and he'd just be having a bad. He'd be, I hate this place. <laughs> I just he'd be I, he'd be he'd be pretty salty. Oh, you you did it! No, you did it. <laughs> oh, Wait, okay. It. But watch yourself, McCoy. Um, <laughs> no, he's coy. <laughs> oh, what? I got confused. <laughs> what the fuck did you call me? <laughs> um, I know that this. Is, I'm really torn because I love Starbucks so much, and I hate Ellen, and I just want to disagree with y'all. But but we're I don't not know. we're not wrong. Well, it's just like you know. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> this dinner table, Ellen is just drunk. She's a sloppy mess. And uh, meanwhile, under the table, she's, uh, she's getting a little flirty <laughs> with Lee. Uh, takes off her shoe and kind of running her foot up and down his leg. And is, at one point, he just jumps up like, I should clear these dishes. She does it the second <laughs> she finds out that Zach died several years ago. It is like the first thing she does after yeah. uh, Ty tells her that. 
It's wild. Which like, it's super, super awkward because like she starts, uh, you know, she's talking about how Lee's grown up to be such a you know, big, strong young man well, and how he looks just like his mom. So like Zach must look just like their dad now. And like you can tell like everyone wants to be like, <laughs> for those of you uh, listening at home, Caleb was making the like, you know, cut the throat motion like that. Hey, don't never mind. It, I, I'm trying to do it now, like you can see me and not him. I, I was, I was wondering. I don't know. Going. I don't know what's. <laughs> note to future me: cut this out. This was stupid. This was stupid. Aw, you're doing great. Uh, you do good work, kids. I, I, I try. Uh, but yeah, so like Adama is finally like, look, Zach passed away a few years ago, and she like. You would think, like, most people would have a moment of, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, that's that's terrible. And, like, you know, my condolences and whatnot. And she's just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And moves on and continues to flirt with mm-hmm. Lee. I'm like, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. I, like a Cylon, question mark? I don't. And then when she goes then... to get up. Because they're, they're getting ready to leave. And she's like, oh, I, I lost one of my shoes. And Lee's like, it's over here under my chair. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's helping her put it on. And she just she just grabs a big old grab of his ass. Just to, just gets right oh, up in there. Whole handful. Just, she is. She just grabs his whole ass and just. <laughs> I just like, I, I kind of wonder if that was scripted. Or if, like, Jamie Bandberg got himself a little bit of a surprise during the <laughs> filming of that. I really want that to be an improvised moment so bad. <laughs> Lord. I could believe it, too. I feel like uh, like she plays that character so well that she, like, in the moment would just do something like that. It, it seems almost put on, um, although nobody else seems very surprised by her behavior. So I don't think this is obvious. This obviously isn't the first time they've seen her behave like this um but it's so over the top uh that that i was wondering at first if maybe she had something else like uh up her sleeve um as it were but but yeah i guess maybe she is just that awful as we mentioned uh you know the the ties go stumbling out of this uh party when things get a little a uh, little too awkward and uh the the commander just like Without any like preface or anything, it's just like, well, this has been a lovely evening. Thanks everyone for coming. Yeah, <laughs> just hello. like you can tell, like, oh, party's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. So the, the ties are stumbling out, and of course they forget their their bottle of ambrosia. And uh, as Andrew mentioned, she <sighs> comes running back for it, and the president just holds it back, just like looking straight ahead, like you know, I know this is happening, so I'm just going to do this. And the look on her face is fucking priceless. She is so good through this whole scene. She is so ready for this evening to be over. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the moment the, the ties walk away, she just turns to Adama. You think that woman is a Cylon? <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, he's got good reasons for being suspicious, but, like, this kind of is like, I... Listen, no one said they all had to be <laughs> diabolical masterminds. <laughs> So the uh, the suspicion on uh, Ellen may be a little bit uh, alleviated after this uh, this dinner, but uh, feelings about her not aren't necessarily, uh, especially because she almost immediately starts trying to tell uh, Saul that 
Bill was was coming on to her during the lunch that he put his hand on her leg. And, you know, Ty's just like, why are you doing this? Like, I thought we were going to have a fresh start. And she's like, she gets mad at him, you know, for you know, not believing her. You know, very obvious falsehoods. Uh, and you start to kind of feel bad for, for Saul Ty. I know. And he just he just got his wife back and he just got right back into the, uh, the worst of that relationship. She's already trying to start shit. And turn him against his best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems just for the sake of it, right? Just to cause trouble at this point? There doesn't seem to be any real purpose behind it. Yeah. Just stirring shit up. and Some like, people just like to stir shit up and cause drama. I guess so. I still... I can't... The show is so good at... Because I was back and forth the whole time. Because it's like, did they bring her on a Cylon version of her on because whoever they is right. Um, because they knew that she had this reputation reputation. So she could come on the ship and destabilize things. And like Ty and Adama are such a, I don't know that United front is exactly the right word, but with the two of them, they're kind of unstoppable. Yeah. It just seemed like a really convenient way to do that. And again, the Cylon drums, um, were a big tell for me, but is that just the show? trying to get me to pay more attention to her um, than whoever else I'm supposed to be paying attention to right now. It's hard yeah. to know. But this whole episode is definitely about uh, sowing some doubt mm-hmm. about people. And so, you know, we, we were left wondering, like, is she in fact a Cylon? Is Adama a Cylon? At this point, we don't know. I mean, of course he's fucking not. He can't be. <laughs> uh, but I guess at this point he also can be. <laughs> That is the, uh, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about uh, Adama. Second near miss on a spit take this episode. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Um, <laughs> the, so our, uh, our good friend, the, uh, the Cylon Raider, that's uh, been just kind of jumping around for a couple hours. Uh, flopping around like a wounded fish. Just, just oh. flopping around. Um, someone, and by someone I mean Starbuck, <laughs> has the realization like it's not... It's not wounded. It's not, like, trying to escape and, like, getting lost. Like, it's fucking with them. Uh, And just when they catch on to it and decide to try to, like, just go ahead and destroy it, uh, we see that it sets itself on a collision course for Galactica. And the fighters that were tailing it uh, can't get there in time. Uh, So Ty makes the uh, split-second decision to uh, have Lee launch the the alert vipers. and the uh, the vipers get to the the raider just in time to uh, blow it out of the uh, the not the sky but you know the, the space the lack thereof <laughs> uh, just before it collides with uh, with the Galactica and a a giant viewing window which uh, makes me wonder if it was actually heading for the space that we saw earlier that the people mm-hmm. were lined up to uh, to stargaze out of we can only assume. Yeah, we can only assume because I, I first thought it like it kind of made me think of like the uh, the bridge uh, view screen from the various Star Trek universe ships, uh, but I feel like this. I mean, the CIC definitely doesn't have one of those. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle of the ship. Yeah. So it's uh, it's, it's, it's actually probably on the sta- uh, sound stage somewhere. <laughs> 
How dare you? <laughs> yeah, Taking you me mean? right out of it. <laughs> Taking me right out of it. <laughs> and so the uh, yeah, the commander is like, did, did you launch the alert vipers? And uh, Lee is like, you know, it was the XO's call. And, you know, Dom is like, you know, good call. And so we have another one of these great little aside moments between the two of them uh, that really like, continues to cement that friendship that they have where, you know, Ty pulls him aside and just says one question. And Adama's just like, because I was worried it's like, that she might be a Cylon. It's like, and even, if, even if she wasn't, you know how I feel about her sauce. She's been a negative force in your life. And I'm sorry about that, but it's the truth. And like, you know, Adama, the friend who's not afraid to call it out. Yeah. And yeah, he's the best. You know, he's, you know, so I, you know, just, I, Ty's, I just had a couple of drinks tonight. I was celebrating. I think I deserved it. And Nadama's like, yes, you did. Launching those uh, fighters on a hunch. You saved our ship. I'm just, just doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good tie. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you do your go- job good. That's why I need you, Saul. That and we're friends. And I don't want anything to come between us, uh, between that, not even Ellen. And so I just, I love... Now, I love Bill Adama in his capacity mm-hmm. for just being such a sweet and like thoughtful person uh, underneath that like very gruff exterior. Now, I do love that moment as a whole, but Andrew, I, I don't know if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, you pointed out something about the way Adama talks. There's like a, a, a rhythm to it or musicality to it. And I feel like this was a very unadama way of speaking when he's the- when you you do your job good that and we're friends it was just like such an awkward like who wrote that line well it's funny because i thought i thought about that too um and then y'all had said something when i brought that up that like he's very good at sort of um like meeting whoever he's talking to where they are right Mm -hmm. um and ty is a straightforward kind of you know, gruff, whatever, so he's not going to talk over Ty. But then the other thing is that he was sort of playing off of Ty, because Ty says, just doing my job, you do your job good. It was just like a, I don't I don't know, that felt kind of, like, almost playful to me. I don't know. Um, but it you're felt, right, that did, like, get in my craw, too. <laughs> it felt a little bit like the, you keep my planes flying and I need my planes yeah. to fly moment. Um and I think they were going for that same kind of energy, but yeah, the phrasing was a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's why I need you, Saul, that and that were friends. Uh, and like, yeah, it doesn't flow so well, but yeah. Yeah. you know, I can also see this coming out of like, you know, this moment of like an emotional connection between the two and he's not choosing his words as carefully as he might because he's just like, he's right there putting it out on the table. Like, I don't trust your wife. She's bad for you. And, you know, I'm just going to come right on and say it. Uh, side note, this uh, this transcript confirmed for me that the Raider was making a run for the, quote, makeout deck. <laughs> the makeout deck. <laughs> Which, I love that. <laughs> if we're going to talk about necessity in Starship design. <laughs> you know what? I'll allow it. I'm okay with it. Awesome. So we uh, we have to take a moment and uh, recognize our two friends down on Caprica, who were on the run for their lives in the sewers. 
gross. Uh, why do <laughs> people always go in the sewers? Like, how do people not just like immediately die from sepsis like the moment they step in line? I don't know. <laughs> it's my nightmare. And like even more so uh, when Hilo like reaches his like breaking point, <laughs> like you can't go on anymore. Like he just falls down into the sewer and is like barely keeping his head above the water. I'm like. <laughs> And, and like Sharon's like, come on, you got to get up. We got to go. And he's like, how are you not like exhausted? She's just like, it's a, it's a d- 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 adrenaline is what it is. That's definitely Cylon adrenaline. Adrenaline. <laughs> I mean, what? One thing that stands out about this to me is that it's, it's very clear at this point that Sharon is not leading Hilo to the, the quaint little cabin in the woods where they can. Live oh, really? safely and, and make babies. <laughs> they didn't put uh, the cabin in the fucking sewers. <laughs> they're very much on the run, which uh, is interesting because we know that this Sharon had uh, set out to like to play this game with Hilo to see, you know, how they would re- how he would react if he could fall in love with her, and you know, it's the the Cylons uh, trying to. Uh, explore human emotion. And, you know, we even have this great little aside between uh, Six and uh, who I just recently learned is named Aaron Doral. Uh, we knew that the Doral. whole time. Did, we didn't, he didn't have a first name. Oh, he absolutely did. When, when did we learn his name was Aaron? In the first episode. I only remember him ever being called Doral. Well. Well, okay, maybe I'm wrong. You are. I, fine. I hate when our podcast parents fight. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I can accept that. It's fine. See, I always viewed that. you two as the podcast parents, and I'm like the unruly teenager that no one likes. <laughs> I think, okay, I think that Kitsy and I are both the unruly teenagers, and poor Caleb is our single father who's doing a great job, but boy, does he deserve a break. <laughs> so He's I guess doing the this best is he can. What, yeah, this this is what my dad told me all along when he said, "I hope someday you have kids of your own." <laughs> Here we the are. Jokes on you, Dad. <laughs> I don't have kids. I have a podcast. <laughs> Caleb, can we pull the podcast over and go to McDonald's? <laughs> McDonald's, oh. McDonald's. No, I want McDonald's too. Yes, we can do that. <laughs> I want to hear Bear McCreary's rendition of the ba da ba ba ba. Yes. Because you know it would be somehow like really dark and ominous. Absolutely. But you'd still know exactly what it was. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, there is, I mentioned, an exchange between Six and Aaron Doral uh, where you know, they are continuing to evaluate. Uh, Sharon's behavior and how like you know it's very clear now that she's she's on the run with him and it's because she's in love and Six seems to be put off by this and Doro's like you're just jealous because you've never felt it and she's like no I'm not and then she does that thing where she turns away from him but like we see her face and she's very pained and conflicted <laughs> <Nuh-uh>. <laughs> no I'm not you are I'm not crying you're crying I'm not, yeah exactly <laughs> And so that's uh, that's our little side trip to, to Caprica. We just see that like an army of centurions is is chasing them, uh, and no no one at any point thinks to check the sewers. They're like, oh, we checked this entire city. Where could they possibly be? Well, they wouldn't go in the sewers. No one's fucking gross enough to do that. <laughs> and there's probably not enough room for two people anyway. Exactly. <laughs> that can't be that big. See, the so, sewers are smart. 
my well, my thought is that either the Cylons are, are practical thinking that again, like you said, no one would go in the sewers. Why the fuck would we look there? Or uh, it just completely escapes their their thoughts because they don't shit, so they don't think they don't even think about the sewers because like or, Cylonica doesn't have sewers. <laughs> or 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 someone brought up the idea of searching the sewers, and one centurion went to the other and went, "Ew, no, <laughs> going in there." Gross. Gross. That's funny because we have speculated about whether or not the Cylons do the Cylons shit like us now too, because we have. Well, the human the human ones do right. I mean, we think so. We've determined that. Well, Six does use the toilet in the episode where she's uh, Shelley Godfrey. Oh, that's well. She goes into the bathroom anyway, right? Yeah, that's true. She Um, goes into a, a stall. But we don't, I mean, thankfully the camera doesn't follow her in to show us exactly what she's doing. Uh, because that's not the kind of show I signed up for, all right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, oh, this show took a dark turn. Yeah, I want to bring it back around. Let's talk about love for a second. Okay. Um, okay. When they have that conversation, right, um, Six says she thinks she loves him and it's making her act stupid or something like that. Um, and I just wonder what would need to happen for Six for Six to say, like, she loves him. Is it, like, how do we decide what what is love for a Cylon? You know what I mean? Like, what, why isn't uh, it enough for Six, for Sharon to think that she loves him for it to be well, love for Sharon? When you ask what is love, <laughs> Baby. Uh, I think it's to not be hurt. I... <laughs> I figured that's where we were. <laughs> so I think we can just about uh, wrap up the, uh, the the episode summary here, but we've we've got to hit the uh, the final uh, most important theme. And Kitsy, you, you you want to say something? No, I was just going to make sure we didn't forget the 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 climax of the episode. In oh my god, speaking of climax, we forgot the most important part of this episode. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> Towards the beginning, when uh, Baltar <laughs> starts starts uh, having sex with the six in his head in the fucking lab. Oh, my God. And Starbuck walks in, and then he's just, like, with his pants around his ankles, bent over the table, jerking off, and tries to play it off like he's fucking exercising, like a fucking maniac. <laughs> and Starbuck's like, what, what are you doing here, doctor? She's like, oh, I wasn't expecting you on this late at night. She's like, it's the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> how is he not? How, how like, has no one just murdered him yet? I don't understand how he hasn't mortified himself enough to stop. Like, what? And then even at the end when he's just doing that, like, uh-huh. I, I, silly spin in the chair. Get it yeah. together, Baltar. That's so, like, we should definitely come back to that because that's that's a really great moment ending this episode. Uh, we bring it back to, to Baltar's lab, and uh, they've just finally completed the, the test on uh, Ellen's blood sample, uh, which uh, they give him a little shit about. But he's like, you know, I was, uh, I was interrupted twice, so, <laughs> you know, give me a break here. Uh, and, of course, he's, you know, it's green. She's perfectly green. Everything perfectly human, normal, uh, everything's fine. She's definitely human. No, nothing to see here. Uh, and Six you know, leans over into his ear, like, uh, you know, 
too bad uh, everyone's green these days or everyone's human or something like that. And he's like, you know, it's just easier that way. No muss, no fuss. <laughs> and <laughs> like, he's, he's just decided like, no matter what the fuck, like he's, he's just not going to tell. Yeah. And then, the, which, which begs the question, why does he even bother actually testing them? Like, why doesn't he just say, like, oh, hey, I found out a way to test them all at once, and guess what? They're all green, so. Yeah. Like, why does he go through the the whole thing of, like, being 11 hours? Unless, like, he he feels like he's just going to, like, pocket the information for later use, because that seems like a very. That's a very Baltar uh, thing, yeah. Yeah, That's that's what I was thinking, too. Baltarish move. So, uh, a couple things we missed there is when he says something, the effect of, like, well, I was interrupted twice. You know, Adama's like, what, what do you mean? And, and Ross is like, oh, sorry, that was me. That was my fault. My bad. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, it's very sitcom-y in that moment, and I fucking hate it. Um, I love that little back and forth. It's, I mean, you're right that it's kind of sitcom-y, but it's just, I, I really like any time the two of them feel like mom and dad. <laughs> like, it really, and that back and yeah. forth of me like, what, what? And then the kind of, like, volleying that they do there is really fun, I think. Um, and so Six asks him, so what did her test really say? Which I feel like she would know, but mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. He's like, oh, I'll never tell. And they start making out in his chair and then it cuts uh, to like a, uh, the scene of the camera zooming out and we see, uh, Ellen and Saul on one side talking and the Adamas and Rosalind on the other side talking, and Baltar's just spinning in his chair with a spaced out expression on his face. Like a <laughs> fucking idiot. It's kind of a beautiful shot, but it is un. It's, it's just. I don't even have the word for what's going on there. It's like unsettling and it's frustrating and it's very Baltarian. It's super Baltarian. I was just going to say there's that moment, maybe this is where you're going too, when Ellen and. Um, Adama hug. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is really important because she she whispers into his ear, like, I want to remind you, you don't want to frack with me. And he's like, don't frack with me either. And the two of them. I really thought he was going to, like, kind of lean back and be like, hey, Ty, she just, you should hear what she just whispered in my ear. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah. He has a little more tact than that. I've always appreciated how this show found a way to say fuck repeatedly on <laughs> yes. television and, like, get away with it because it's very obvious what frack means uh-huh. uh, and they say it constantly and i love it uh so andrea yes uh you mentioned early on in this episode that you have uh some some new theories developing and uh, i want to hear about that yeah so it started out as a joke in my head which was like there's no way Dawala isn't a cylon because she let billy take her on a maybe date um, and no human <laughs> with like a human brain um, would <laughs> would agree to that. Um, but then when he's uh, quote unquote pumping her for information, I was thinking like she gave that up pretty quickly. And Duala's not dumb, and she doesn't strike me as somebody who's super trusting. Um, and she and Billy have only known each other for a couple of weeks. It's only been mm-hmm. a few weeks, right, since the um, the the Cylon attack. So yeah. that's very quick for her to be giving up all of her commander secrets unless she is also trying to sow some doubt among the and it works for a while um, mm-hmm. among the the people of Battlestar uh, on the Battlestar 
in all the people, I guess, on all the ships, uh, maybe. But uh, but the best way to do that, right, is to say something to Billy, who she knows is going to run right back to Rosalind. So I thought that was an interesting little turn there, especially because we haven't seen much of Dwala before, and now she has maybe a reason. That was, like, the big one for me. We never see Dwala in the sidelines in the same room at the same time. <laughs> you think about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, one of my favorite things about this episode in particular is that there is no resolution whatsoever on the question of uh, any of these major characters maybe being Cylons. Because mm-hmm. uh, not only uh, is only one person tested, but we learn from Baltar that like he's not going to tell if anyone's a Cylon anyway. So like, how the fuck are we ever going to know? This is such a smart show because what a good way to be like, well, we could find out. So that tension is always there, right? Eventually mm-hmm. somebody could find out that Baltar's faking and Baltar is actually running them at least sometimes. Uh, so there are some results in places, um, but but that's just kind of there kind of looming in the background, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, also, it, all- it also leaves the show open to decide later Mm-hmm. who is in, is in the Cylon, because now they're not bound by, by saying, like, oh, well, the, t- the test said this person wasn't a Cylon, so they can't be. Like, mm-hmm. anyone could still be a Cylon at this point. Yeah. I love that, like, we're almost done with season one, and we still only know about the same four that we learned about in the, like, in the miniseries. Yep. Yeah. It is. So. And I'm not frustrated by it. Like, I want to know, but the, I don't feel like they're dangling it in a way that feels, like, um, cheap, or anything. Yeah. Uh, the back and forth with this episode was really smart, I thought, because I kept being like, it seemed, you know, is Adama trying to run Alan's sample first because he wants to get the attention off of him? Does he really suspect she's a Cylon, or is he trying to kill for time? And then the same could be said for Rosalind, and with Rosalind wanting to push for him to be tested first, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, is it, again, to buy her time or not? It's just, it's so well done. And you have this whole, like, secret meeting and, like, the, the secret phone calls and everything, which, you know, throws some suspicion on Adama to begin with, in addition to Leoben's uh, tomfoolery. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you have this thought, it, it, at least briefly, if not extended, that, like, you know, was he actually going to meet with another Cylon agent? And, you know, then we, we meet Ellen and... You know, there's suspicion about whether or not she's a Cylon, and there's mm-hmm. still like a suspicion about the two of them because it's not it's not actually cleared up. Although, I guess for uh, the the crew, it's it's you know, green is good and she's fine. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple more things that I think were really small, but because I'm watching with a magnifying glass, um, I yes. I notice, and it's like Billy says, I can't believe we're entertaining the possibility that Adama has been replaced with a Cylon duplicate. Yes. Yes. I'm not entertaining that possibility. I'm entertaining the possibility that Adama is a Cylon. So yeah, that's, that's like a that's, that's a weird really interesting. Yeah, that was that's something that actually stuck out to me too because like nowhere have we heard anything about the Cylons being able to just replace people. If you're going on what we know about Cylons so far, even what I know, what what we assume Billy knows, that is just a really weird way to word that. And is yeah. it Billy being a stupid Cylon and forgetting, like, or not forgetting, but forgetting, like, what he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to know. Yeah. 
Well, and I don't think it's actually too spoilery because we know from the Cylons themselves that there are 12 models right, right. Uh, of the, the humanoid Cylon. Uh, and the there, are, there are many copies of each of those models. Uh, but, you know, as far as we know, there's no like pod people-esque uh, plan right. amongst the Cylons. We, we know that there are theoretically a, a near infinite number of copies of 12 specific people. Uh, and it would be weird to think, uh, although I guess not outside the realm of possibility, but weird to think that they've got like a storage room full of like Adama copies in case they need one. <laughs> yeah. But Caleb. But Kitsy. Who told you there are 12 Cylon models? It was uh, six. In, a I Cylon? Think it was in the minis. Uh, who did well? she say it to? Who did, how did we... She says it to uh, Baltar. Hey. Or, wait. Or was it, was <laughs> it a God. note? I wish that everybody could see our faces. I just, all of our eyebrows are knit together, so we're all. <laughs> My point is, though, maybe, that. Maybe it wasn't spoken out loud. I think maybe it was written down on a note that somebody received. That I feel like the, co- the commander received it from someone yeah. somehow. Which, okay, maybe that was from Baltar, who was told by Six. I might have to go back and start watching it again. But here's the thing. (laughs) Just go re-listen to the podcast. I'm sure we talked about it. But here's the thing. We're we're just going to believe that? We're just going to believe the Cylons that they only have 12 models? I think... I think I'm gonna. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... Sowing the seeds of doubt here. Yeah, right? I'm just saying, like... You know, if the Cylon's whole point is to, like, be deceptive and take out humanity, like, why would they feed that information so readily? But I I feel like there's, like, not every model really has that same capacity for deception. Yeah, I also think that's one of the things, like, don't lie to your viewers in the opening credits. And something like that, that would feel like a really dirty trick if three seasons in we find out that suddenly there's a 13th Cylon we never knew about I'm reserving four, that. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say that if I had the ability to mimic human form, which is weird because I'm a human as far as we know. Um, <laughs> but if, if I was a know. Cylon and I had the ability to mimic human form and I wanted to infiltrate humanity, spreading the rumor that there's only twelve models would very it would cast very narrow suspicion because then you'd only you'd only be looking for twelve. Well, why different... not just say one model then? Well, or no models. I, well, I think or that... negative one model. Yeah. Huh? Oh. <laughs> We've removed a human. <laughs> Some humans are Cylons now. <laughs> um, We've turned humans into centurions. No, but but like what I'm saying is is you know if you're only looking for twelve models and I've got like forty. Yeah. Then, you know, you're going to find 12 and be like, we got them all. And then you're going to have a false sense of security. And I'm going to be like, I've still got fucking, I forget how math works, 28 other uh, models over here that you don't know about and aren't even looking for. So I'm just saying, like, that, that's I, that's a, a shifty thing a Cylon would do. Shifty yeah. Cylons. No, shifty Cylons. But I also feel like, you know, we, we've seen so many instances of them essentially playing with their food. Uh, and... <laughs> I think, I think that's Are you at least some that they're of they're going to eat Elo. I'm not implying that they're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we, we've seen instances of 
the Cylons um, kind of like stringing humans along and like playing these little games with them and being manipulative and like, yes, like being deceitful and whatnot. But I think that revealing that critical bit of information early on could somehow play into the way that they're like manipulating humanity, you know, like we're going to give you this bit of truth and then leave it up to you to fall all over yourselves trying to figure out who we are. If the Cylons ate Hilo (laughs) (laughs) or any, any human that doesn't have to be Hilo, would that be cannibalism? Not technically. Yeah, no. But I think, I think cannibalism is technically within your own species. Yeah. And they are separate. Are they, though? It'd be more like, you know, actually, it would be kind of fitting for the Greek mythology because <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't Zeus eat Kronos or something like that? Or was it the other way around? I said my, my uh, mythology history is my, like, perfect recall is... is long behind me on that but we could find out google.com like the- did zeus eat chronos <laughs> ask <I> jeeves feel- <laughs> uh let me uh, go over to excite um, <laughs> now i feel like there was definitely some some gods consuming gods in mythology i just don't remember which uh which order it went in but if that were chronos, the case chronos swallowed each of his children as they were born yeah but zeus, never mind. the was- youngest was saved I was, I was thinking in the direction of it would be very fitting from a mythology standpoint if the children consumed the parents. Yeah, I uh, love that. From you know, metaphorically, you know, because and literally, are mankind's children. Right. Uh, but then, yes, literally consumed. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, I have <laughs> one more, like, I guess oh, question God. that just occurred to me now. It's a short one though, and then I'm done. I promise. Um, I just, I have to get this out. Uh, something about the Adamer party. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> if this was a morning radio show, that's where all the sound effects would go off. <laughs> <laughs> we need soundboards, each yeah. one of us, that can compete for each other. Oh, God. Like a, it'll be a nightmare. Um, is, it, is there any chance that Six has been in Baltar's head the whole time? The whole time sure. of what? Since I've started watching the show. Oh, you mean like the one on Caprica was also just in his head? Yeah. I don't think so because she kills that baby. Oh, right, 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 right. I forgot she killed the baby. So I think that one, the one on Caprica, I think was a real one. I think you're right. Yeah. And also she is how he, no, he is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Scratch that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, because the other people in the market see her, and yeah. like you said, she kills the baby. And I so forgot like, about that. Yeah. There definitely that was, was fucked a, up. at least one six on Caprica uh, before the invasion, uh, and there was the one that was on the, the space station that right. killed the, the uh, emissary there, and okay. of course there's the one that's on Caprica now. So we know of at least three physical copies of six. The, the good... Good question is... Um, yeah, is, fuck your bad question, Andrea. Is, <laughs> here's the good not, one. That's not how I meant it. God. <laughs> that's not how I meant it to sound like I meant it. <laughs> the, the question that I have... Is that better? 
the question <laughs> we'll find that, out. <laughs> the question that I have is is the six that was on Caprica originally with Baltar the same one that's in his head? I'm inclined to he, say yes. He believes that. And like she seems to have all the same uh, members in one. What if her like when hmm. Well, she was with him when Caprica was bombed. She yes. like helped protect him from the blast. But was she actually there? Or was, she was, this a, was this a six in his head? Did she die in the city when it was bombed and her, uh, her consciousness upload missed the mark <gasps> and went into his brain instead of back Fuck! to the, the That's base so star? good! Wait, that can't be right, though, because you guys have seen the show and you wouldn't just hand me that spoiler. But in that first, I'm shouting. You should see how red my... <laughs> I'll see how red it is later. Don't worry. I, uh... <laughs> Um, and I just drew on my wall. Things are falling apart over here. Um, we better wrap this podcast up before. But in your that whole first episode, my question was: She looks up and says, "About time you got here." And I was like, "I wonder who she's talking about." And one of you said, "Oh, I thought she was just referring to the bombs." And if they are directly overhead, and we know that distance to get back to the bodies is an issue because of um, mm-hmm. Leoben. Oh snap! So can an unattached, unmoored. Cylon soul attach itself to oh, so can fuck. Cylons possess humans? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're oh well, that's, not possess because that's she an can't, interesting implication. She can't puppeteer what's his face, but Well, she can be very suggestive and make him yeah. do things. Which like he very willingly does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she seems to have like a physical effect on his body yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, and like we and see that in the scenes where like where they're interacting, and then it cuts away, and it's just him. But like you still see as though like there is someone there touching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. hmm. There's a that's a lot there. There is a lot there. That's a lot there. I feel uh, great. Let's excellent. stop the podcast before I say something stupid. <laughs> so that that's a was good a, idea. Uh, that, that just, was no, just because we've been going so long, not, yeah. not 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 the stupid thing, but but also, but also no, just <laughs> Penelope has completely taken over my desk at this point. Aww. as she should. She's being adorable. Follow us on um, Twitter if you want to see pictures of all of our pups. Not us on Twitter. Follow Setcon One. What is our podcast handle? Yeah, so uh, if you uh, do want to follow us on social media, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at setcon1, the number one, podcast. So that's at at setcon1podcast. And, of course, we'll uh, give you a a little preview of episodes or discuss things that we've we've talked about here uh, and maybe uh, some some fun gifts uh, just because because. we want to. Just because. Uh, and, of course, if you want to check out any of the other shows on the Night Shift Radio Network, you can head on over to nightshiftradio.com slash shows. Uh, and if you enjoy what you're, uh, what you're listening to, give us a subscribe over there as well. And we promise to uh, keep sending you new content. Uh, but that said, I think that we uh, are ready to jump away. So we're going to spool up the FTL drives, and we will see you at the rendezvous point next week. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. <laughs> Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep.
Set Condition 1 is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.